Survivor's guilt. Anyone can experience this, whether from a car accident, being in the military, or natural disaster, etc. And the effects range from loss of interest to feelings of acute unworthiness. The man in this story experienced this even though he valiantly attempted and succeeded to save many in battle. Let's get into it. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing to you part two of the true story of a man who was wounded three times, yet kept persevering as a medic to those who were wounded. He was awarded the Medal of Honor for his bravery in war and still felt guilty and unworthy. We'll get into that and more on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later, we're going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize. And I think it's a prize you're really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. The conclusion to the classic true story of Gary Bykirk. We're losing him. Get the doctor, Stat. Deo, Todd, help me get to him. Deo, let's go. It's okay. You're dreaming. Deo, can you hear me? Is he dead? I don't know. The man that was here, where is he? The chaplain? He'll be back. He's in another ward. How long have I been here? Almost a week. He'll be transferred soon to a hospital in the States. Last week, we heard how the man in our story, a Green Beret medic, served with the 5th Special Forces Group in Vietnam. When their small camp was overrun by North Vietnamese troops, he was wounded three times, yet carried on helping others before a helicopter rescued him. This is the conclusion of the true testimony of Gary Bykirk, right now on Unshackled. I was transferred to Valley Forge Army Hospital near Philadelphia, where I spent the next 10 months undergoing a number of surgeries. Shortly after I arrived, I had a visitor, one I hadn't seen in 20 years. But I knew right away he was my father. Hi, son. Hi, father. I'm so glad to see you. I heard you were wounded. At first, they said you were killed. No, I'm still here. I'm so glad, son. The pilot in the helicopter saved me. They say it was a big battle. Three regiments, 10,000 against our little village. 2,300. They just kept coming and coming. You'll be all right now. I can't walk, but they say it's temporary. I was trying to protect a yard who was badly injured when a rocket hit nearby. A yard? Uh, a mountain yard. That's what we call the villagers. It isn't disrespectful. We love them. And they loved us. Deo. Deo died trying to protect me. That's okay. I don't want to tire you. They, they said you just had surgery, so I, I better leave. I just want you to know that I love you. I, I'm very proud of you, Gary. 
You're the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm glad you came. I never suspected that I'd ever see you. If you ever need anything, come see me in Florida, okay? I felt very proud of my father. He was a big man. I was awed at his presence. With physical therapy and time, I began healing and walked again. Eventually, they gave me two weeks leave from the hospital. So I picked up a friend that I knew from Vietnam. Hey, we have time. Let's head for Montreal, celebrate our survival. I'm game. It's wonderful to get away from the hospital. Yeah. You think about it much? What? Nam. Try not to. I'd go back in a heartbeat, living in the mountains with the people from the village. It was great. Except for the war. Yeah, except for the war. Life was so uncomplicated. No TV, no cars, no stress. Except for the war. Nobody here understands us. Yeah, it's awful. I went out to an old hangout with some friends, and they act so foolish. They act like friends, but I can't really count on them. Mm, I don't either. My closest friend said I was weird. Maybe I am. Yeah, you're weird, Bikirk. You have nightmares? All the time. But I got something to take our minds off all that. He introduced me to psychedelic drugs, and I began experimenting with them to numb the pain of the horrible memories. I began to search for God, the presence that I felt in the hospital when I prayed. God. If you're real, I need you. So what do you think of Montreal? I almost forgot I was still in the army. Those college kids we met were cool, weren't they? My kind of people. Switched on, but laid back. I don't know about all that spiritual stuff, though. Transcendental meditation? Maybe that's why I like the yard so much. They were in tune with their environment. I don't think any religion has all the answers. You gonna go to college? I quit college to join the army, and I'm still in the army, remember? Two more years. Uh, we served our country. They ought to let us go. Well, what assignment did you ask for when you got out of the hospital? Why? You? Vietnam. Instead, I was assigned to the 10th Special Forces in Massachusetts and told to draw out winter gear. We were jumping into Alaska for a three-month operation, but I wasn't ready for that. So I drove to Boston for several days, then reported to the dispensary where a medic I knew from Vietnam understood the problems I was having from Vietnam. With the doctor's help, my duties were limited to that of a dental assistant. I refused to cut my hair, missed formation, and didn't report for duty. But my immediate supervisor covered for me. Sergeant Bykirk. Gary, how's it going? The usual. The CO is either chewing me out or giving me a medal. <laughs> he told me to shape up and act like a soldier, and he'd promote me to E6. And you jumped at the offer. I told him I want out, and I tried everything to get out. All right, your congressman. I did. Told him I want a discharge so I can go to college and study medicine. Did it work? Yes. I'm getting out next month. I started college four days after my discharge. Money was tight, so I lived in my van until I moved into an old farmhouse with a bunch of other vets. I thought my experience as a medic would get me a job in the emergency room of a nearby hospital. It did. Mopping floors. Gradually, I withdrew into myself, even though my housemates tried to get close. 
I kept a journal and one entry said, it's been 33 days since a word has passed my lips to enter the ear, the mind, the heart of another human being. Hey man, come, come on. on. man, what's it gonna hurt? Come on man, take a toke. To escape their comradeship, I would stay in my van, leaving the farm for days. I didn't want them to know me. If they knew me, I thought they would hate me. I had seen the heart of man. I had seen my own heart. I couldn't risk anyone getting close. My stepdad still worked three jobs, but one day, mom called to say he had had a heart attack. So I put my life on hold to be with him in the hospital. Soon, they discovered he had cancer of the spine. I sat with him each day, but within a short time, he died. My pain couldn't be consoled by my drugs, but I sought peace from them anyway. Then, one day, a group of students lashed out at me. Hey, G.I. Joe, <laughs> go back home! Baby killer! Baby killer. My rage was so intense that I feared I might kill someone had I turned around. So I kept walking, got in my van, and quit college for the second time. I needed help and spiritual guidance, and I thought of my cousin's husband, Buck, who had come all the way from California to see me before I went to Vietnam. They had moved to the south shore of Massachusetts, so I drove to their farm and spent the weekend. So what are your plans now, Gary? Don't have any, Buck. Well, why don't you stay here? Help me around the farm. I could use some help at the flea market on weekends, too. Sure. <laughs> Great. Janet will be glad to hear that. She's been praying for you for a long time. Buck had a strange habit of taking a word break every couple of hours. He'd stop whatever he was doing, pull out a little book, and read. So I began taking a book to read during those breaks. What are you reading, Gary? Thoreau's journals. Oh, you like his philosophy? Yeah, I do. He talks about living right. Listen to this. Be true to your work, your word, and your friend. Good advice. Yeah, the yards were like that. Worked hard, kept their word, and they were faithful to the end. You admire them, don't you? I'd love to go back and live among them. My yard buddies carried me around so we could give first aid. They kept saying, we stay together, Boxai. <laughs> well, that's dedication. Why did they stay with me? They risked their lives for me, but the terrible things men do in battle makes me wonder, where's God in all this, Buck? You know, Gary, uh, some of the things you've learned about life, uh, about the need to care for one another, Jesus spoke and taught about those things. I didn't know he was real until I took a philosophy class. He's real, and there's no mystery to finding God. The book I'm reading is the New Testament. Do you value our friendship? Yeah. You're probably the closest friend I have. Hey, do me a favor and read the Gospels. There you will meet Jesus. Folks, we'll get back to Gary's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, 
talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to the classic true story of Gary Bykirk. I started reading the New Testament because I wanted to know more about Jesus and what he taught. I had never read a book like it that put into words the anguish I felt, the pain and longing, that answered questions I'd had since Vietnam. By the time I got to John chapter 14, I realized that Jesus was the presence I had sensed when I prayed in the hospital. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I have called you friends. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordain you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit. At 2 a.m. on July 2nd, 1972, while Buck was sleeping in the camper that we used at the flea market, I knelt and repented of my sins and asked Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. The next morning, I told Buck, Praise the Lord! Thank you, Jesus! God's forgiven me, Buck. I can feel it and I know it. Yes, and more important, his word says so, Gary. Uh, I think it's uh, Colossians chapter 2. Yeah, and you being dead in your sins, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Now I know that he was with me in Vietnam. He's always been with me. Absolutely. The Bible says he chose us before the foundation of the world. He will never let you go. I have a lot to learn. Well, he'll teach you as you read his word, Gary. Memorize scripture. That way you can meditate on it. Start with this one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Buck immersed me in the scriptures and in his ministry, discipling me. He took me to Bible studies. He led conferences where he spoke. He instructed me as we handed out tracts and witnessed the flea markets. Still, I struggled with nightmares, things in me that I had done. Finally, I decided to hitchhike to Florida to see my father. Gary, 
Gary, it's good to see you again. Come in. How long can you stay? As long as you can stand me. Well, you're welcome to stay with me. You, you look great. Well, I feel better than I did last time you saw me. Oh, how can I help you? Just trying to get my head together. <laughs> I know what you mean. I want to take you into town to meet everyone. I I'm the county sheriff now. That's great, Father. C come on, let me introduce you to my wife. She's real special. After he took me all around, proudly introducing me, he took me to a small room, sat me down, and pulled out a chest. Gary, I was a terrible husband to your mother, but I always loved you, son. Why didn't you let me know? Because things were bad between me and the rest of the family. I knew your aunts and uncles loved you and, and would look after you, so I decided the best thing to do was to stay out of your life. But my family sent me newspaper articles and pictures of you. See? High school soccer. Seems like so long ago. And every time your birthday or Christmas rolled around, I wrote a card and I put it in this chest, hoping someday I'd see you again. Amazing. Oh, and uh, my wife led me to Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian now, son. Really? I'm a Christian too. I love the Lord, and I'm seeking his path for me. Oh, praise God. We've been praying for you, son. We had a wonderful time together after that. I spent days walking on the beach and praying. God, what do you want me to do? I really want to go to medical school. I could serve you as a doctor. I could go back to Vietnam as a, as a doctor. Hey, Buck. It's me. Oh, Gary. How are things in Florida? Great. My father is a Christian now, too, and we're making up for the last 20 years. That's really great. You've been gone a couple of months. Are you coming back? I've been praying about what to do, and I think God has given me his answer. Oh, what's that? I'm going to enroll in seminary. Oh, that's fantastic. I want to give all that I am to God. Whatever he wants, I'll do. I just want to serve him. Bless that, Gary. I'm not sure of the long-range plan, Buck, so I'll take one step at a time and see what he wants after that. That's how my walk with the Lord has been. I always know what the next step should be. There is tremendous joy and confidence in doing what you know God wants you to do. In September 1973, I entered seminary in Lancaster, New Hampshire. I loved to share scripture with other students, but when they wanted to draw close to know me, I couldn't handle it. So I drove out of town and escaped to the woods. I found a waterfall and a peaceful place to commune with God while I wrote in my journal. Day after day, I returned to the woods after class. I slept in caves or backpacking tents. Other students and professors thought me strange, but I didn't care. About two weeks after starting seminary, there was a note in my mailbox telling me to be at the inn at 6 p.m. to receive an important phone call. I was there when the call came. Is this the Gary Bykirk that served with the 5th Special Forces Group in Vietnam? Yes, I am. We've been looking for you for quite some time, Gary. It is my honor to tell you that you've been awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor for your actions in Vietnam. Why me? What did I do? Sergeant Bykirk? 
Are you there? Yes. Will you come to Washington for the presentation by the president? Yes. I'll come. We'll send an officer to escort you there in a few days. For conspicuous gallantry at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, Sergeant Bykirk distinguished himself during the defense of Camp Doxy Yang. Sergeant Bykirk, with complete disregard for his personal safety, moved unhesitatingly through withering enemy fire to his fallen comrades, applied first aid to their wounds, and assisted them to the medical aid station. My mother, brother, and aunt attended the ceremony and I returned to seminary, putting the medal in my duffel bag along with other medals and memories of Vietnam. A year later, I received another note in my mailbox, handwritten from a girl named Lolly. I've seen you in town, but you never stop to talk to anyone. I just want you to know that I admire you. I like your red van. Candy apple is a cool color, very cheerful. I heard you were in seminary, but the van and your long hair don't fit the image of a preacher. Every day for the next week, I received one of her notes, and I began to look forward to them, even though I didn't know who she was. She sent me a picture, and I was intrigued even more. One Sunday, I saw her in the back of the church while I was leading the singing, but she bolted away as the service ended. Then one day in town, I saw her in the laundromat. Oh, hello. You're Lolly. Yes, and you're Gary. I hope you weren't upset by my notes. Not at all. Do you come here often? No. Do you? There's no washers in my apartment. Do you have a girlfriend, Gary? No. Do you have a boyfriend? I have friends that I party with, that's all. I like getting your notes and hearing all about the things you're doing. That isn't much in this town. Do you ever get out in the woods? In this weather? <laughs> Not if I can help it. You have to go hiking with me sometime. Maybe when it's warmer. Would you like to come up to my apartment? No, but I'd like to see you again. Lolly was not a Christian, but later that month while I was home for the Christmas holidays, she went to church on New Year's Eve instead of partying, and she received Christ as her savior. I knew right away she was different when I returned. I took her to dinner one evening. I asked her if she wanted a shrimp cocktail, and she said, well, I don't think I should drink. That's when I fell in love with her. A couple of days later, I watched as she mopped the floor of the kitchen. I like to watch you work. Tell me if I miss any spots. I will. So, when would you like to be married? You're serious, Gary? Yes, I am, Lolly. I believe God chose you to be my wife. Three months after we met, Lolly and I were married on a mountaintop following an Easter sunrise service. I had planned to be a missionary in Vietnam, but while I was in seminary, Vietnam fell in 1975. So after I finished seminary, I got a master's degree in sociology and psychology. During that time, I worked in prisons and veterans hospitals. Afterward, I worked with the Vietnam Veterans Agency. How did it go, Gary? Okay. I get as much healing out of each day as I give, maybe more. 
Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Some of these guys are really hurting and angry at the way people treated them after serving our country. Jesus is the answer. Yes, he is. The healer. The Prince of Peace. I didn't realize how war keeps on affecting people even after it's over. For some, it's never over. I was reading the citation again you got for the Medal of Honor. It says, after you were wounded, you dragged a Vietnamese soldier to the medical bunker while simultaneously applying mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. That battle seemed to last forever, but God had a purpose for allowing all of it. After I finished graduate school, we moved to Maine to work with Buck and his ministry. He was developing a 300-acre farm into a conference center. By then, we had a son and a daughter. Lolly and I bought 15 acres of land in woods that had a hunting camp. You call it a hunting camp? I call it a shack. I've always dreamed of living in a place like this. No road, no electricity, no running water. How am I supposed to take a bath? In the creek. With the trout? That's asking a lot, Gary. You'll learn to love it, honey. The simple life, away from noise and people. I'll give it a shot because I love you. For two years we lived there, while my wife gained experience living with a vet still dealing with the trauma of war. I tried being a pastor, but that was not my calling. Then my mother suffered a stroke and we cared for her while I got a master's in counseling. For 28 years I've been where God wants me, counseling middle school students. For the past two years I've also served as chaplain of the Congressional Medal of Honor Society. The Medal of Honor is bigger than any one person or any one act on any one day. When we wear the medal, we wear it for all who have served, all who have sacrificed. We wear it to honor those who continue to serve. On a personal level, for me, the Medal of Honor is about God, who he is and what he's done in my life. He's allowed me to wear it so that I may tell others about him and his sacrifice. I wear it for his honor. Gary B. Bykirk passed away Sunday, December 26, 2021 in Rochester, New York. At the age of 74, honoring his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ all the way. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. What an honor to be chosen by God to be His child. Listening friend, have you ever honored Him with thanks for His sacrifice? There could be no greater honor than to confess your sin and put your faith in Christ. Why not trust Christ now? Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 promise that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you need help in making this crucial decision, we encourage you to get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission 
1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607, or call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, the prize for this sweepstakes contest is another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. And it's John 1.29, which proclaims, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's wonderful, isn't it? Well, this plaque is gorgeous, especially if you're looking for daily inspiration from Scripture. You will love this authentic and very unique wooden plaque. The plaque has been sawn from a tree branch. Sawn? Is that a word? Well, it is now. Or log and cut into such a way to retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. And the bark around this one, well, it's gorgeous. This plaque has been handcrafted around the the natural character and beauty of the wood that God created. Now, if you'd like a peek at this scripture plaque, just visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org, and stop by the audio drama page for a picture. Unfortunately, we're only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. Your name, phone number, and email. The winner of the sweepstakes for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced June 27th. But the deadline for entry is June 11th. We look forward to hearing from you. And next time... So whenever you know God has told you something and people tell you, nah, it'll never happen, always remember what Jesus said. With God, all All things things are possible. possible. That's right, Lindsay. Always remember. 12-year-old Lindsay Lambert came to the Lord. And now, I want to invite you to come forward. Come forward if you want to be safe tonight. Why are you crying? I can't explain it. Where are you going? then fell away and became addicted to drugs. Lindsay, you snuck out again last night. I, I, I did it. Don't you lie to me. She refused to change. But Lindsay's grandmother believed beyond hope that her granddaughter's heart and mind and life could be transformed. Granny, I'm sorry. Pray, that's what I've been doing all these years. Now it's your turn to join me. The true story of Lindsay Lambert, all on the next Unshackled. Heard in part two of the classic true story of Gary Bykirk were Stephen Spencer, Dave Kappas, David Brian Stewart, Michael Walner, and Cheryl Galemo. 
Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Michael Wallner. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Kenitha Gabler. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>